You're listening to Ottawa's Baseball Show. It's Around the Diamond with Diamond Dante and Mike Nellis on CKDJ 107.9, home of the Ottawa Champions. Welcome to the only baseball show in Ottawa. You're listening to Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9, the July 16th edition of Around the Diamond. I am Diamond Dante, joined here with Michael Nellis for this Saturday and Sunday edition of the only baseball show in Ottawa, sponsored by Sambat, the original Maple Back Corporation since 1997. And Mike, an excellent show lined up for you. As Josh Blanco, just for me? No, not just for you, for the for the listeners, and yeah. um, of course, uh, we'll tee up the show for you. As Josh Blanco will join us in our next segment, then we're going to be joined with Jared Martin, a newly signed Ottawa Champions left-handed pitcher, was actually on the forty-man roster with uh, the uh, LA Dodgers back in twenty thirteen. Uh, we'll see what he has to say in our third seven. Then after that, we'll have a chat with uh, Young Carlos Hill as. We both had a chance to talk with him after his amazing seven-inning, two-hit shutout performance against the Trois-Rivières Aglas. We'll see what he has to say about that one. And uh, mm. a very good interview for for uh, for a guy in Young Carlos Hill, who uh, from the native of Venezuela, 25 years old, and you know speaks a little bit of English, speaks a little bit, or no, speaks a lot of Spanish. What am I saying? <laughs> but uh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, a good one there, and then after that, we're going to talk a little bit about the Can-Am League and the Ottawa Champions uh, and what's upcoming in the next week. But without further ado, let's get into uh, our uh, first segment, MLB Talk, and something that's been going around the MLB is Big Poppy's comments that referred to Edwin Encarnacion signing with the Boston Red Sox in the offseason. Of course, the rule is you cannot, management or player in the media cannot talk, or even to the player directly, of course, obviously behind-the-scenes texts do happen cannot be said in in the public that we should go and sign this player you can never really say something like that and 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 this kind of brought memories back i remember when bautista came out in the in the media in 2013 and 2012 saying we need to make some moves we need to go and trade some guys you can say that but you can't say i want to trade for a guy like matt kemp or i want to trade a guy for or a, for a guy in edwin Encarnacion. no you're right you can't say that if you're david ortiz you can't say that uh, if you're jose bautista or any other player in the MLB. It's uh, strictly forbidden under the rules. And in the NHL, we saw this happen recently as well when Jim Benning of the Vancouver Canucks, the general manager there, said that him and his team were interested in trading for P.K. Subban. Yes. And that's what started those rumors. Ultimately, Subban was traded, uh, not to the Canucks, somewhere else. And Jim Benning and the Canucks were slapped with a fine in the NHL. We're looking at something very similar here, a quote-unquote tampering charge to David Ortiz for suggesting that Edwin Encarnacion should go to Boston. And the first time around, this has actually happened twice in the last little while, before the All-Star game and after the All-Star game, Ortiz uh, said that he thinks Edwin should go to Boston to replace him as the DH, as the big slugger type player. And the first time that was kind of just you know shrugged off and, and, and tucked under the rug by the MLB. But when he does it twice and he tampers twice, you have to do something about it uh, if you're the major league uh, or if you're major league baseball. I mean, let's face it here. Mm-hmm. Uh, y- you can't simply go around breaking the rules. I don't care what your name is. I don't care uh, what your contribution to baseball is. Clearly, David Ortiz is a big name and he's done a lot for the game. 
and you know maybe in some situations he would get a little bit more leeway because of that. I understand why the MLB would do that. I respect David Ortiz and why uh, they may give him that extra uh, rope, you know, um, toward the end of his career. But y- y- there's a point where you have to draw the line, and I think the MLB should do that right here. And I think you're right about that, Mike. And I'm gonna read the quote from David Ortiz: "The Red Sox know." that they will need to bring a force in the middle of the lineup after I retire. And I'm sorry, the Blue Jays, who will be better with, who will be better than Edwin Encarnacion to come into the lineup and do that. That's what he pretty much said. And then he went on to say that he has incredible stuff, said Ortiz. I thought I was going to end up playing with me la- or this year. He thought he was going to end up being traded to the Red Sox. I mean, you never know uh, with our starting rotation. You never know with our lineup. So that's what ba- Ortiz pretty much came out and said, and that's something you can't say. No, you're right. You can't. No. And uh, I, I think the uh, the idea that Edwin Encarnacion uh, would be traded is uh, I don't know where David Ortiz would come up with that. The Toronto Blue Jays are a team that it was competitive last year or yeah. that were competitive last year in the Major League Baseball playoffs, far more competitive than the Red Sox were. They had a chance to do it again this year. Why would you trade Edwin Encarnacion? And I, I get the argument that you're trying to get some value for your for your assets while you still have them before they go to free agency and potentially sign somewhere else. But for the Blue Jays in this situation, you don't do that. You go all in. You keep those players in Gun for the World series. And so um, I think that really all that is is lip service because David Ortiz knows that. He knows how things work and how baseball is uh, in these certain situations uh, for franchises because the Red Sox have been there so many times when they're gunning for the World Series while Ortiz is on the team. So, it, again, it's just part of his ploy to try and get uh, somebody uh, that is currently not in a Red Sox uniform into the Red Sox uniform and to replenish that power that uh, will be leaving the roster when Ortiz retires. And you're right about that. Speaking of the Boston Red Sox, big trade the other day as they went out and acquired Drew Pomerez, traded uh, their number five prospect, um, a big one there as they end up getting a, a pitcher in Espinosa who uh, can throw 100 miles an hour. So the Padres get... A, uh, a nice pitcher in return for Drew Pomerez, who has a ERA under 250 this year, has been one of the most consistent starters in the National League this season. He's 27 years old and uh, will be a free agent at the end of the season. But Drew Pomerez comes over to the Red Sox a little bit too much. Mike, what do you think? Uh, the Red Sox end up moving Clay Buckholtz into the bullpen to make room for Pomerez. Yeah, and I think that uh, it, it bolsters their rotation. Um, you know, uh, Everybody knows of the, um, I guess, the uh, the fanfare surrounding Clay Buckles originally that's kind of died down now at that bottom part of the rotation for Boston. Uh, they're going to try and rekindle that in Pomeranz, who uh, has been very good. And, and, and you know, it's it, it makes the AL East that much tougher for the Toronto Blue Jays because you can tell that Boston uh, is realizing now that they're going to be in that slugfest with Toronto and Baltimore till the end of the year. So how do you combat a good offense in Toronto? Uh, you counter it with good pitching. Uh, it's pretty simple. That's pretty much the uh, the name of the game in terms of baseball. Doesn't really get much more straightforward than that. And they're just trying to do that by building their rotation, by trying to sign a guy or at least trade for a guy 
and give him a chance to pitch in meaningful games toward the end of the season as well. Pomeranz, that's a huge move for him. He goes from a Padres team that's 38-51 and 51 to a Red Sox team that's 49-38 and 38 and two games back of the division lead, well in the mix for a wild card as well. Them in Toronto are going to be duking it out all season long, and uh, I would expect to see Drew Pomeranz's name in Blue Jays circles uh, from this point until the end of the year. You know, you can talk about how good Toronto Blue Jays guys have been, uh, but in the end, that's not good news for Toronto. It's not good news for Toronto. Speaking of the Toronto Blue Jays, just the other day, uh, Toronto Blue Jays pitcher Jay Happ came out and said he's confused by why we have bag milk here in Canada. Of course, this is something that surrounds us as well, Mike, because most of the players that play for the Ottawa Champions are American, and yeah. they complain all the time about bag milk. About bag milk. So this is a topic <laughs> I wanted to bring up. What do you think? Do you what do you think of bag milk, and what do you think of having milk? This is a in sports a show, Dante. I wanted to, uh, Jay, <laughs> Jay Happ came out and and said I am confused with bag milk here in Canada. Yeah. Of course, he's playing for a Canadian team. He ended, he actually played in Ottawa, so he would know about it here in Ottawa as well, going up to the Metro and stuff like that. But or the lobe back then, because the, he was in Ottawa in 2007. The lobe? Lobe. That's that, what Metro was before it was it Metro. Was? Yeah. Maybe you're too young for that. No, I'm, yeah. no I'm thinking of the AMP. Okay. So, uh, Jay Happ. So, bag milk. I mean, wh- why why is it so confusing these days? I just wanted to bring this up. Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I honestly, I saw that article about Jay Happ uh, <laughs> being confused about bag milk, and I forgot until reading this article that there is no bag milk in the United States. You get the cartons and the jugs and what have you, and you can and they barely, drink straight out of the jug, and you can barely find that in Canada. So, uh, yeah, I uh, I don't know. It's just uh, it's just getting acclimated with that situation. We're used to it because we're uh, you know as Canadian as, as Canadian. As it comes, I guess, Dante. But, you know, I could see it. And, um, you know, I, I, I guess, you know, getting the scissors out or getting that, you know, special bagged milk cutter, the slicer that you can, you know, take the corner off with, is kind of a hassle compared it to is. a jug or a, a, a carton. So I get where they're coming from on that. No harm, no foul for no, Jay Happ. No harm, no foul, Mike. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's going to end this segment. Coming up next, we'll be joined with Josh Blanco to talk about his career. Of course, he has now just joined the Ottawa Champions and uh, has pitched pretty well, but we'll talk to him about that. That's coming up next on Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. Hey, this is Jared Lemieux from the Ottawa Champions Baseball Club, and you're listening to Ottawa Champions Baseball on CKDJ 107.9. All right, welcome back to the Only Baseball Show in Auto. You're listening to Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9, powered by Sambath, the original Maple Back Corporation since 1997. My guest for this segment is Ottawa Champions left-handed pitcher Josh Blanco. Josh is a former draftee of the Los Angeles Angels and currently plays for the Ottawa Champions. Welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. No problem. And, uh... Josh, I wanted to start things off with the beginning of your career when you were drafted at a high school uh, out of your hometown in El Paso, Texas in the sixth round. Not only can you tell us about how you got drafted, but how did you get noticed out of high school enough to get drafted so high? Uh, You know, man, it just kind of happened. I was out in San Diego playing in a tournament, got signed by San Diego State, Mm -hmm. and, you know, I played in a few tournaments in Arizona, kind of, you know, surrounding areas of El Paso, and it just happened one day, um, my senior year, first game, first district game of the year, there just happened to be a few scouts there, and 
I don't know, I guess word of mouth or whatnot, but I didn't have much part in it, to be honest with you. And, and how was the transition like from, from high school to playing rookie ball in the, in the Los Angeles Angels system? Was it difficult or was it a little bit different because you had success there? Um, yeah, it was different for sure. You know, I mean, being a high school guy, you think you're so wise and you know it all, and then you get out there and you just realize that, you know, you're still 18 years old. And the biggest transition for me was just the mentality of how to go about your work every day as a job. And kind of separate yourself emotionally from the ups and downs of the game. And I think I've been doing a better job of that as I've gotten older. And of course, once you got there, you were a starter. And, and, and now you've kind of turned into a little bit of a reliever, uh, uh, Josh. Was it, you know, once you got to auto, was it Billy Horn kind of saying, hey, you know, maybe you'd be uh, better suited for the bullpen? Or was it you just saying that maybe it's time to try being a reliever? You know, I relieved my last year with the Angels. Okay. And I wasn't ecstatic about it, but I had some success. And I liked the idea of coming out and just throwing hard. Um, but yeah, then once, you know, once I decided to play again, and getting to talking with Billy and Hal, and just the best option for me was seemed to be out of the bullpen. And of course, uh, I just wanted to ask you, I know you had touched on this a little bit before, but did you get any offers uh, to go to college or anything like that? And why, would, why did you decide to sign straight out of high school? Yeah, I got I uh, committed to San Diego State University. Yeah, that's right. Okay. And um, for me, man, my biggest dream and goal my whole life is just to play in the big leagues. That's all. You know, my dad's an attorney. I respect what he does, but for me, it's just you know a dream of mine is to play in the big leagues, and so that's just always been kind of my main thing is just chase this dream. Once you got into rookie ball, you managed to play with a couple big big league names today. We'll start off some of the position players that kind of caught my eye: Mike Trout a big name, Randall Gritchick, Cole Calhoun. Um, out of all, you know, those are three-star outfielders in the major league right now. It must have been nice playing in front of those guys because the one thing out of all those three guys are all excellent defenders, so it must have been nice. You know, you're on the mound. You see these three guys behind you, are like, okay, you know, if they'll dive and they'll catch a couple balls for me. Yeah, man, those guys are just natural-born studs. I mean, you know it. I knew it then, and obviously the world knows it now, but... That's just another perk of affiliated baseball. You know, you've got so many good, young, talented players that you can have all the confidence in the world that a play is getting made behind you. And like you said, those three names, I mean, I, it was an honor to be on the same field as them. Was there any uh, anybody, a coach or player in the uh, in the Angels system and on your way here? I know you'd spent some time in other independent uh, organizations that may have uh, helped you become a better pitcher than you are today. Um, yeah, you know, I, well, a big influence with the Angels is this guy named Trevor Wilson. Yeah. Former pitcher in the big leagues, left-handed pitcher, and he always kind of had my back. Um, haven't had too much contact with him in the past couple of years, but I definitely see some of the points he was trying to make with me when I was younger. You know, it was just he helped me out a lot. Good dude. And I guess... Uh, you know, looking, I noticed that looking for your baseball reference, Josh, I noticed that uh, you had taken a little bit of time off. There was, you know, nothing listed from, I believe, from 2011, from when you came here in 2015. Let's start off. I mean, what had happened in those uh, few years? Because I know another pitcher on this team, Randy Hamrick, had did the same thing. He had went back to school. Was it something like that, or did you just take some time off? Yeah, you know, I got released by the Angels, and then I went to the American Association with the El Paso Diablos yeah. back then. I played with them, and I got released from both of those teams within two months of each other. I was 21 years old, 
and I just, you know, I wasn't happy with where baseball was going. I wasn't throwing hard. I wasn't throwing strikes. And, you know, and it's just a miserable feeling to not be as good as you expect yourself to be. So I took up on the scholarship program with the Angels and went to Utah working on an economics degree. Nice. Haven't finished it yet. Okay. Um, you know, I definitely want to get that done. And then I was born with a cleft lip and palate, and I had a reconstructive jaw surgery oh, okay. in July of 2014. And once I recovered from that, I just decided that, you know, I was healthy. My body felt good. I was just going to go and give it one more try and worked out with a buddy of mine, Luis Reynoso, who owns 3D Athletics in El Paso. Um, we just got on a program together and put our minds together, man. And now just trying to show everybody what we were all about. And I guess, you know, when you were coming out of that stage, where you want, what made you want to come back and get signed by the Ottawa Champions in 2015? You know, just watching it on TV, seeing how much fun these guys are having and knowing deep down that I can do that but the only way to prove to anybody I can do it is by actually doing it and a big thing Luis and I talk about is just actually doing things you know not just yeah talking about it but being about it so we took the steps you know to get me ready to, to be good and went to a camp for Belmonte an independent camp through with him and he recommended me to come here and the champions luckily gave me that opportunity that a lot of guys were not willing to give a guy you know four years out of baseball with, with not the best numbers but luckily they did here and once you got here you're outstanding at 265 era i'm not going to go into the numbers or anything because you know baseball players always say it's not about the numbers it's yeah. about the way you feel on the mound billy horn must have been a, a huge impact to you in your career to get signed we'll get to that in a minute but i mean what did you and billy work on in 2015 with the ottawa champions you know just a lot of my direction for me my direction is real big if my direction to the plate is good I'll probably have success and he was just big on my front side staying closed and really that's been my biggest thing if that's consistent then I'll be all right well someone someone's bowling upstairs I'll tell you that um okay so uh, now that you mentioned that so you were in the off season just because we got to wrap things up because it's pretty bad weather out here but uh uh, in the offseason, you managed to, to get signed by the Texas Rangers. You spent time in high A there, finally getting back into organized ball. I mean, what did you do, and how did that, How did you get signed in the offseason from the Ottawa Champions? It was, did Hal make a couple phone calls? Did you maybe go uh, go to a couple camps or a couple bullpens? What happened? Yeah, you know, I was just throwing bullpens in the offseason, continuing to work out. I kind of hit the ground running with the season last year, ended. I went home and I took two weeks off and got right back to work because I wanted to be ready for bullpens and such that various people had set up for me. Yeah. Um, when the Rangers actually saw me throw, Hal and Billy had a tremendous part. And um, I wouldn't say negotiating. I guess you could say negotiating, but just being on my side, talking to both teams, yeah. and just kind of advising me on what they thought was the best case scenario for me. And, you know, it was... We made a decision the Rangers were the way to go, and, you know, hindsight's 20-20, but I'm confident now that if, you know, I keep throwing well, then another team will come calling, and they'll be right there for me again to, you know, make whatever decision we think is best. Before we go, I want to I ask this question to every pitcher, player, coach, wherever comes on the show. Who was the guy growing up that you admired, that you looked up to and said, I want to be like him someday? Man. Um, it's a tough one, though. I think the obvious one for me, even though I'm not a shortstop, was a guy like Derek Jeter. You okay. know, just so well-respected in the game. 
Not a shortstop, not even right-handed, <laughs> but just the way the guy went about it, you know, it just, it, it said something to me, and I don't know, man, I think that'd probably be my answer. Any, any pitchers? Um, I mean, Randy Johnson, obviously, left-handed power pitcher. That's a guy, but, you know, he was a little, he was a little too old even for me, so <laughs> Jeter was the man. All right, Josh, I appreciate your time, and best of luck in this. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Hey, this is Daniel Bick from the Ottawa Champions Baseball Club, and you're listening to the Ottawa Champions on CKDJ 107.9. Welcome back to Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. Before, we were talking with Ottawa Champions reliever Josh Blanco. Now we're talking with former Baltimore Orioles draftee Jarrett Martin. Jarrett, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, anytime, Jared. And I, w- I wanted to start things ba- start things off with going back to your old days where you were drafted by the Baltimore Orioles in 2008 out of high school. You declined that offer, decided to th- accept an offer and go to Bakersfield College in 2009, then were drafted by the Orioles once again. How did that play out, and, and why did you decide to go to college over uh, straight to pro? Um, it was just something that um, I, I needed to do for... Um, my pitching career, it was something that you know, I thought about for a while and, um, you know, things didn't work out the first year and I just needed some more time and went to a, went to a junior college in town that I knew the coach pretty well and, um, worked on some things and, and then, uh, went back in the draft and Orioles picked me again and things worked out and ended up signing now, Jarrett, uh, after you were with the Baltimore Orioles, you uh, moved on with the Dodgers uh, from 2012, and that's uh, when things really picked up in your career. It seems like you got um, as high as AA in Chattanooga and posted some uh, impressive stats. What was working for you uh, when you were in AA uh, in 2013 and 2014? Uh, well, you know, the Dodgers really um, are known for developing minor league pitching, so um Getting into their system, I really, like you said, took off and, and learned a lot of things about um, my delivery mechanically and and um, just a lot more about the game. So, you know, understanding that I'm a left-hand pitcher with a power fastball, you know, learning to attack and um, really just attack with the fastball rather than, you know, beat around the bush and try and try and trick guys. Just pitch to your strengths was um, something that I took advantage of and. And um, really just uh, started to build on that. And, um, you know, 2013 and 2014, um, you know, were good years, you know, um, just going through and and, um, learning to throw strikes and, and get guys out. That's Jared Martin joining us here on Around the Diamond, a former draftee of the Baltimore Orioles and current Ottawa champions, left-handed pitcher. And, Jared, I wanted to... I wanted to ask you about this. It says that you had a chance to play with multiple, you know, guys that are in the major leagues right now. But one name that really stuck out was Clayton Kershaw. I know he had came down to do a short rehab stint. I don't know if you had a chance to spend time with him in spring training or even uh, talk to him a little bit. Was there anything or any big league guys that you learned a little bit from? Maybe Kershaw or some other guys in the Dodgers system? Oh, absolutely. Um, in 2014, when I was on the 40-man roster, I got to go to big league spring training. I got to be around the entire big league club for, you know, a few weeks and just going um, every day to the ballpark and seeing 
those pros go about their business, the way they handle their their job, and um, you know, take care of, I mean, take care of business is is really something special to see. Um, you know, Clayton Kershaw is an animal. He's something that is not not real, not real life. Um, and then even guys crazy enough like Brian Wilson, he was someone that stood out to me because, mm-hmm. um, you know, from the outside looking in, Brian Wilson looks like a a clown, looks like a guy who's a goofball and doesn't care and just kind of messes around. But he's probably one of the hardest working guys I've seen. Um, you know, behind the scenes, he uh, um, takes his job very seriously. And, and um, you know, unfortunately, injuries kind of affected him throughout his career uh, near the end. But um, very smart guy, very smart and, you know, green key uh now, for me, pitchers, pitchers wise, learning just what how their how their brains tick was was really uh, an advantage for me, and something special to see. Now, Jarrett, you mentioned uh, in that last answer that you were on the forty man roster for the L.A. Dodgers. Uh, was there anything uh, that you changed in your approach to the game after you were placed? on that 40-man roster, um, and, you know, you mentioned just watching those major league guys. Did did that affect the way that you played at all? I mean, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Being on the 40-man roster, you know you're a phone call away. Um, for me, unfortunately, I was young and dumb and uh, came in the spring training, um, you know, in February, and, and I just tried to do too much and tried to make the team and tried to impress everybody and, and um, flash my stuff and, and for me, physically, um, you know, it actually cost me um, some arm problems coming in that early and trying to, um, you know, be a big leader and try to impress. And um, 2014, unfortunately, was a was a injury prone year for me. Um, you know, because it is so close. You you know, you get that taste of the big leagues just being in spring training. You know, on the on the big league side and being around those guys and I mean all the you know 12 hour 10 hour bus rides to the middle of the night the peanut butter and jellies <laughs> all the bad stadiums yeah. you know cold water showers yeah really all worth it um once you get that taste of you know what league life is like so something that um you definitely want for sure and and, and Jared now that you do mention that uh, of course even going back to my high school days, my, my head coach had played AAA with the Rockies and the Toronto Blue Jays. And, and, you know, now that you do mention the peanut butter and jelly, he had told me all those stories saying that the minor leagues is not really like that. And, and that's another reason why I started this show, bringing on guys that do play professional baseball in the minor leagues or in independent baseball. What can you tell us about, you know, like you mentioned earlier, can you kind of go more in depth on, you know, the bus rides and the peanut butter and jelly, you know, surviving in order to, to have that one vision that maybe you, someday you might make it to the big league someday? Yeah, I mean, they definitely don't make it. They don't make it easy for you. Um, minor league baseball will will definitely weed out the good or the bad, and the good will cream. The cream will rise to the top for sure because you know it's a game you know built on mental stability. Um, you know, to be able to fail seven out of ten times and you know call that successful is kind of sickening. Um, you know, but. That's just the way baseball works, and that's why I love it so much. But, you know, minor league baseball is, you know, the pay is terrible. Um, you know, some of the stadiums aren't real pleasant. You know, and then, like, you know, peanut butter and jellies and all, all that 
stuff that you hear about is so true. But um, one thing that I really, um, you know, noticed and took for granted was, um, was, you know, last year I had shoulder surgery and being out of the game for a year and just being on a training table, you really uh, take for granted those peanut butter and jellies and those 10-hour bus rides. So um, it sounds sounds tough, but at the end, we all love it, and that's uh, kind of our dream is to, you know, be playing baseball for a living and, and uh, you know, make it to the big leagues. Now, Jarrett, uh, I did want to move on to uh, your independent baseball career now, and after a stint with Milwaukee, uh, you signed on this year. I believe originally it was with Laredo of the American Association. You made your way over to the Can-Am League, three different teams now. Um, I- I'm sure for you, um, looking at, uh, at at where you are right now and where you were a year ago, I'm sure you couldn't imagine that right now you'd be pitching in Ottawa in the Can-Am League. <laughs> no, definitely not. Um you know, I I did sign with Laredo, and before I even threw a pitch, you know, the, the manager there texted me and said that I was traded to Rockland. I had, I mean, I had no idea about independent baseball, so when I heard I was traded to the Can-Am League Rockland Boulders, I was thinking, oh boy, I don't I don't know what this is going to be like. But <laughs> you know, um, got there, and and I was I was pleasantly surprised just with uh, um, independent baseball. I mean, the Can-Am League's a great league. The competition's really, really solid, um, you know, and and I was uh, just glad to be back on the ball field. So, you know, being on my third team, you know, I've kind of been around and seen different different um, facilities, different approaches, and different uh, mentalities. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's still baseball, and you still got a job to do. Um, and going out there every day and taking care of my business is is number one. And um, you know, helping the ball club get a win and. and obviously you know get to a championship i know it's tough because this is your first homestand in ottawa so but do your best to answer this question for me what do you think of the city so far and and the ballpark and and, and what the ottawa champions organization is all about um, i love it i i've been here huh, i've been here a couple times <laughs> yeah. once with Rockland and then once with sussex so um you know from the outside looking in on the visitor side i like the way um you know i like the way the champions um you know, carried themselves, the way they worked as a team. Obviously, um, it's very obvious that the, um, the facility is beautiful, the way the ground screw is take, takes care of the ballpark and the playing surface. Um, I just, I've always liked coming here. Um, I've, I've pitched well here, and I just, I like, I like the atmosphere. And, um, you know, being, being traded over here, I was very excited for the opportunity. And, and um, you know, it's different. You know, it's like this. This this season was the first time I've ever been out of the country, surprisingly, out of the United States. So, mm-hmm. you know, my first trip was to was to Quebec, and yeah. you know, <laughs> being over there and hearing the French and all the different you know places and stores, and it was different. So, you know, being over here in Ottawa, um, it's just a, it's just a fun experience, and I'm just glad to be here. And uh, that's Jared Martin joining us here in Around the Diamond. And, of course, before you go, uh, Jared, I wanted to ask you a question. You, you managed to uh, – you, you were moved around a little bit. I know Mike had touched on it a little bit. But I, from what we know, Billy Horn had told me in an interview that he really wanted you. He saw you in the – I believe it was the Arizona Fall League. 
Uh, he tried to sign you there. You ended up going to the American Association. He tried to trade for you when you're in Rockland. He tried to, and then he fin- finally traded for you when you went to Sussex. So it's nice to know that you have a pitching coach that has a goal, uh, not only to to make you a very successful pitcher in this league, but to put you back in affiliated ball. Oh, absolutely. You know, Billy. Um, he told me he saw me down in Arizona this offseason, but um, <laughs> I never talked to him. But um, it's nice that he's been tracking me and and uh, following me because, you know, once we got you know, end of the season, and, um, you know, I was introduced to him, um, you know, a few months ago. We, you know, got a good relationship right away, and, and obviously he, you know, working hard to, to a, get, a, get his team the best he can do or best they can be and, and then also get his players um, seen and sit out of here. So that's really all you can ask for is um, a positive influence when you show to the ballpark every day. Um, and, uh, you know, for me, I'm an older guy, and, I, and I've been around a little bit and seen – um, you know the goods and the bads. So, um, you know Billy's definitely a good a good guy, a good coach, and and you know a positive atmosphere is is really all you're looking for when you um, show up to the ballpark every day to you know to work and and to get to get best out of yourself and get out of here. And you're right about that. And before we go, I wanted to ask you, you spent three, I think you spent like maybe five days with Sussex County. Uh, your manager <laughs> was Bobby Jones, who's uh, you know a very colorful man. He pitched in the big leagues. I mean, what was it like to, to play for a guy in Bobby Jones who's a pitcher like yourself and played in the big leagues? It's great. I mean, you know, everyone has um, different experiences and, and, and has, you know, different playing careers. So him being a left-hand pitcher and pitching in the big leagues, it, it was kind of it was fun to pick his brain and, and hear, um, you know, different stories throughout his career. You know, it's just, um, it's been nice to, um, like I said, be on my third team and, and really just pick a lot of guys' brains, help out the younger kids. And um, that's what I've noticed most is, you know, Sussex had a bunch of young guys. Rockland had a bunch of young guys. And, you know, Ottawa has a bunch of young guys. And, mm-hmm. um, just being able to, you know, help them out and, and show them or teach them kind of the, the path of a professional baseball player has been fun, you know, and same with, same thing, you know, when I was in Sussex, Bobby, you know, obviously been in the big leagues, so his experience um, was ultimately the highest. So it was, uh, it was um, for the short time I was there, it was nice to be able to pick his brain. And that's Ottawa champions, uh, left-handed pitcher, Jarrett Martin, thank you so much for coming on Around the Diamond, and uh, we look forward to seeing uh, the Ottawa champions in the playoffs and uh, your next start, which is, I believe, it's uh, tomorrow night. Is that correct? Yep, I'll be on the mound tomorrow night. Sounds good. So we'll see you then. Thanks a lot for coming on. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. That was Ottawa champions left-handed pitcher Jarrett Martin. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Coming up next, Mike and I will have a little chat about young Carlos Hill's performance this season, and we'll have a little bit of audio to share with you as... We had a chance to talk with him after his uh, big shutout seven-inning game against the Aglas. That's all coming up next on Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. This is Matt Helms from the Ottawa Champions Baseball Club, and you're listening to Ottawa Champions Baseball on CKDJ 107.9. Welcome back to Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music, home to the Ottawa champions, and sponsored by Sambat, the original Maple Back Corporation since 1997. I am Diamond Dante, joined here with Michael Nellis, and of course, 
for our fourth segment of Around the Diamond. Also, uh, recap, we were just talking with Jarrett Martin of the Ottawa Champions, former draftee of the Baltimore Orioles. Now we're talking our two Venezuelan friends on the Ottawa Champions, Daniel Cordero and Giancarlos Hill Cordero. Seven wins on the year, a solid ERA in the threes. And then you look at Giancarlos Hill, his start the other night, We'll have it. We had a chance to talk with him. We'll get to that in a minute. But his start the other night was outstanding. Mike, you had a chance to call it. I did. I was uh, on color for the game, so I was able to take a look at Jan uh, Carlos Hill and the stuff that he threw against Trois Rivière in the last game of that series. He went for seven full innings, allowed two hits. That's it. No runs. No earned runs either. And uh, only walked one batter while striking out six guys. The only thing we talked to Hal Lanier after, and his pitch count was up around 85, 90 going into that seventh inning. So uh, the pitch count was a little high, but uh, he'll look looking for the strikeouts. And uh, that's what kind of drove that up. So they did have to use uh, Miles Moeller. And uh, Lanier said uh, he'll just dominate it. And uh, it was really tough to pull him out of the game after the seventh inning even. Uh, with uh, his pitch count because his threshold is right around uh, 104 and they didn't think he had another inning to go so they just threw in Miles Moeller to start things off in the eighth but it was uh, it, it was a great job by uh, by Hill and he was uh, the main reason why the champions were able to pull away with the win in that last game of the series he was the CKDJ player of the game and you're right about that and if you minus the Cuban players and the Chicago Island players and uh, Edelson Alvarez who is a reliever for the Trois Rivière Aglas? Austin Crisman and Young Carlos Hill are the top two leaders in ERA this season. Uh, also, actually, no. Now you could put Lee Sosa in there, so they're in the top five in ERA this season. So it goes to show how good the Ottawa Champions pitching staff has been this season. That's why we're gonna have a chance to send it to a nice interview with Young Carlos Hill. But first, I want to start off with. I mean. I mean, before we get to that, Mike, it's it was really nice to see, I guess, Hal Lanier and Billy Horn go out and get two uh, Latin pitchers with with you know two quality arms that you know major league scouts are coming to see every day. Yeah, and 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 they really are coming to see them every day, and you know it 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 it, it doesn't really come down to nationality or anything like that. Of course, that adds the flavor to a team, but yeah, uh, in in the end, you know, you, you try to get guys with a decent amount of experience with uh, you know a pedigree and affiliated baseball if you can, and then you just roll from there. And uh, Daniel Cordero, the league leader in wins right now, has been a, a pleasant surprise, I think, for the champions. Uh, since coming in, both these guys, Hill and Cordero, uh, don't have much experience past rookie and A-ball. So for them to come in and start and uh, start very well in the Can-Am League, I think that goes to show you what kind of players they are. They're very good uh, players that maybe just didn't get a chance in uh, the organization that they were originally with. They could easily go back to affiliated baseball, though, I think. Right about that, Mike. They played as high as A-ball, both of them. Mike, myself, uh, Sylvain Saint and also Ben Lugo had a chance to pitch in on it as well. Had a chance to talk with Young Carlos Hill after a big win against the Aglas. 2-0 in his amazing seven-inning performance. We're going to play that for you coming up right now on Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. After that, we'll be back with our final segment to talk about the Ottawa Champions and the Can-Am League. And Carlos, um, what did you like about the way you pitched tonight? Uh, I'm really good. That's uh, like tonight. So keep working, the teammates, you know. So everybody working tonight. Mm -hmm. So uh, the teammates are really good, mm -hmm. you know. The Europa Champions, the team is very well right now. 
So keep walking every day. So I needed my commando come back, you know. Yeah. So right now, uh, today, so my breaking balls is good. My change is good. Mm -hmm. My fast, my two seam. So hey, I'm very happy to to now, you know. Yeah, uh, your your pitching coach Billy said uh, you guys are working on your changeup. Uh, mm -hmm. So has that been uh, has that been improving? You think as the year goes on? Yeah. Yeah. The pitching coach is very well in the world right now. Yeah. So. He tell me every day, hey, you need a concentration every day. So mm -hmm. you need to keep going, you, you work, change, breaking ball mm -hmm. every day, mm -hmm. every day. When, when you go to the start, execute, you know? Yeah. So it's really good. You know, I am very happy tonight. You have been a reliever or a starter for your entire career until this year. When you signed with Ottawa, they made you a reliever. But was it your plan from the, the get-go to get back in rotation? No, he, the, the guys tell me, so I want to go to the start, you know. So when you go come back to the, when coming to the Ottawa, so I'm coming late, you know. So yeah. uh, he, he said, he hit the, the, the game, the pitching coach tell me, hey, you need a, the relief right now because you need more ball, you know. Yeah. Keep going, keep going, and to the, maybe one, two weeks, Later, yeah. you go to the start. Yeah. What did What did you think of your catcher tonight, Steve Salkowski? Uh, it's very well in the home yeah. play. So he he say, "Hey, you uh, string work together, you yeah. know." So the fastball in, fastball out, break on ball down, break on in the middle, everything, everything goes together. Are you like, liking uh, being in Ottawa so far? Yeah, hey, it's very. I'm very happy, and you know so. This city, is, I like it. So really good people. The fans, is, thank you for coming tonight for every game. So very happy for the people. People are very well. So thank you for us. Hi, this is Billy Horn from the Ottawa Champions Baseball Club, and you're listening to Ottawa Champions Baseball on CKDJ 107.9. Welcome back to Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music and home to every single Ottawa Champions game on the CKDJ dial, ckdj.net. And, of course, you can watch the games on canamly.tv, which is uh, where... Uh, Diamond Dante and Michael Nellis will have the call for you this weekend as the Ottawa Champions are up against the Rockland Boulders. And that's why in our final segment of the show, we are talking Ottawa Champions baseball and Rockland Boulders. If you're listening on Saturday, the Ottawa Champions are just about to start their game against the Rockland Boulders. If you're listening on Sunday, we have just finished our final game against Rockland. It's going to be a tough series, Mike, up against this very good Boulders team in which Ottawa is in fourth place, the Boulders in third. Two and a half games back of the Boulders are the champions, and they were hoping to get a couple games uh, ground on them yesterday. Ottawa did their job. They won uh, beating Trois-Rivières 2 to nothing in the final game of their series. They were hoping for the Boulders to lose. It looked like they were going to. They were down 8-3 to three, uh, to New Jersey in the bottom of the ninth, but then the Boulders scored five runs to tie the game and then won it in extras on a walk-off error. So 
going into the series now, it's a uh, two-and-a-half game deficit for the champions behind the third-place boulders. In the end, it doesn't mean much for playoff implications, just playoff seeding. And uh, this will be a big series for the champions in terms of seeding against the boulders. They're going to look to win two of three here. That would be very good for them uh, in terms of playoff standings. Taking a look at the attendance coming into this game, Ottawa is third in the league in attendance with uh, an on average of 2,389 people per ball game at Raymond Shabak Rand Thornton Park. Total of 66,894 people have attended Raymond Shabak Rand Thornton Park this season. The Ottawa Champions are up against the Rockland Boulders, who have also lead the league in average attendance and total attendance with 83,000 people and an average of 3,000 people per ball game in Rockland. So the Ottawa Champions and the Rockland Boulders are going to be up against each other. Two teams that bring in a lot of fans and two successful teams this season. And Rockland, once again, Mike, they lose another player. They lost Alex Guen a couple weeks ago to the Arizona Diamondbacks, and they just lost their best pitcher, Marcus Solback, to the Arizona Diamondbacks as well. Yeah, and uh, they're still trying to figure out who's going to replace those guys in their rotation. So a bit of a uh, a flux time for the Rockland Boulders right now. They don't really know where their team's going, where they're going to be in a couple weeks from now. So if the champions have to play them in an important series, this is the time to do it. Now, it's not going to be the most important one because these two teams are playing each other once again late in August, and that could be for third place. We've just gotten word that Rogers TV will be televising those games between Ottawa and Rockland at Raymond Shabbat Grant Thornton Park. So you can tune into that on Rogers if you can't come to the ballpark. But of course, that's a month from now. And what we've got on tap for you today uh, is a Boulders team that is uh, looking for an identity midseason after losing Solback and Goen. And we'll see if they're able to do that against Ottawa. They've been able to roll through David Fisher, a brand new starting pitcher, got the first win of his career uh, two days ago against the New Jersey Jackals when the uh, Boulders beat them 11-4 to in Game 2 of the series. And, of course, they end up winning the series uh, with a 9-8 win in extras yesterday. Well, Bo Bukovic will be on the mound for the Rockland Boulders. He's killed the Ottawa champions this season, I believe, in his two starts against Ottawa, one on the road and one at home. Hallinier mentioned it in the post-game interviews about a month back when Rockland came to town and, and mentioned, hey, this guy is, you know... He got us. He got outs, but he doesn't really think too highly of him. So I think the Ottawa champions are going to have a new game plan coming into that game. Taking a look at the standings around the league, of course, in first place are the Quebec Capitals, thirty-two and nineteen. In this one, the Jackals, thirty-two and twenty. They're in a tight race, a, a half a game behind the Eglis. Rockland Boulders are thirty-one and twenty-one. And the Ottawa champions are twenty-nine and twenty-four. Of are on a winning streak right now, are 5-5 five and five in their last 10, and are definitely playing good baseball. And the one thing, Mike, we talk about the All-Star game. I know Sebastian Boucher will probably be going to the All-Star game, but one guy who leads the team in average is Albert Cartwright, hitting three fifteen this season. And hitting four twenty one in his last 10 games as well as Albert Cartwright. He's having himself a season, his first full season in, in independent baseball after being released by the Phillies partway through last season. After starting the year with Redding and, you know, he ended it in Ottawa, played very well, led the team in average last year too, and he's doing it again this time around. 
him and Derek Piles have kind of been shifting back and forth between that number one and average on the team. And yesterday, actually, for halfway, uh, or pardon me, for half of the game against Trois-Rivières, Piles had retaken the lead over Cartwright in average, and then Cartwright stole it back toward the end. So yeah. <laughs> it was a uh, it's a battle right now within teams, but of course those two guys are having a lot of fun doing it. Donald Duarte also hitting 300. Sebastian Boucher hitting 308. So a couple Ottawa Champions players hitting 300 this season, and you, you need those type of guys to come through for your team. Of course, Kenny Bryant was just hitting 280. He's gone now down to 240. The RBIs are still there as we look at that department, Mike. And uh, Schleyhuber has taken over. Kenny Bryant has 36 RBIs. Art Charles leads the league with 51 and I'm very surprised he hasn't been picked up yet. Well, he's not a very good defensive first baseman, Art Charles. And that's where the problem lies for uh, the New Jersey Jackals first baseman. He's a big slugger. He's continuing to DH. press. And, uh, yeah, you could, you could see him as a DH. But, of course, some organizations would want to stay away from that. So, you know, mm-hmm. Art Charles is a guy that uh, that has, is currently living it up in the Can-Am League. He's doing a fantastic job. And I think we should just let him uh, play his game. Maybe he will get back to an affiliated organization next year just because of the hitting and what he's been doing there. But, I mean, you can ask a couple people around the uh, the city, casual Can-Am League fans who kind of just keep an eye on the Ottawa champions and what they do in the season, uh, not necessarily keeping tabs around the league, but they will always still say, hey, I heard New Jersey's got a really good player yeah. in Art Charles. Uh, he's turning heads all around the baseball world with the play uh, that he has put up this year. It's just um, uh, remarkable what he's been able to do, the former Blue Jays prospect, Art Charles. They would also say the same thing about Dustin Lawley, who destroyed the Ottawa champions in the first series against the Jackals, the yes. five-game series at the start of the year, which was uh, something that we don't want to see again. Of course, uh, I believe Lolly was traded to Sussex in the deal. Yes, so and, he's now on the minors. And we'll see him in August, so maybe he has the Ottawa champions number. We'll see uh, in this one. Of course, the Ottawa champions have the best pitching staff in the league, and they're going to try to do damage against the Rockland Boulders tonight on Saturday, June 16th. That is going to wrap up this edition of Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. Mike, thanks so much for coming on. It was always a pleasure. You can, uh, well, it was a real pleasure to have you on. Of course, you can follow myself on Twitter, Diamond underscore Dante. You can follow Mike Nellis, 96 Nellis. He covers junior hockey, and he also covers the Ottawa Champions with a close eye on that. Uh, the Ottawa Champions will be up against the Rockland Boulders in this series. You can check us out at canamly.tv or ckdj.net. Or if you're in the car, CKDJ1079. That's at the end of the dial, 107.9 for the Ottawa Champions and the Rockland Boulders. Thank you so much for listening to Around the Diamond. We'll see you next Saturday at 5 and Sunday on CKDJ1079, Ottawa's new music.